What's going on, guys? Sam Adams here, and welcome to another episode of Caffeinate. Today for September the 11th, 2018. My name is Samuel Adams, and welcome to today's show. Of course, we jumped right into the thick of it right now. Now you guys know that I use lo-fi hip-hop for the background, if you didn't already. But to begin the show, I want to forego all of the amenities that I normally put here. Normally, I would talk about where you can find me on the internet. Normally, I would talk about where you want to see my other work and see my other videos and stuff. We're not going to do that today because I have a, uh, a story here that we need to talk about and of course this is not normally how I start my podcast or my stream or my video or anything I don't I don't like being one that just starts like that and just gets into it I'm a little bit more lighthearted than that but this is ridiculous okay Twitch streamer Dr. Disrespect abruptly in stream saying that his house was shot. Let me repeat that. Twitch streamer Dr. Disrespect abruptly ends his stream saying that his house was shot at. Okay. While streaming on Twitch today, guy Dr. Disrespect bomb suddenly got up and walked off camera for a minute. When he returned, he told viewers he was ending his stream for the day because someone had shot at his house. The popular streamer known for playing and sometimes overplaying the character of a hyper-competitive semi-toxic gamer returned sans his trademark wig and and sunglasses and he appeared shaken i gotta end the broadcast right now he said somebody shot at our house and broke the fucking upstairs window this is the second shot someone shot our house yesterday someone shot yesterday at our house and someone shot again right now it connected with the house upstairs right you're driving by right you pussy i gotta stop the stream he ended the stream immediately afterward kotaka reached out to police in bombs district who confirmed that they have a deputy on the scene and are investigating no medics were needed they said kotaku also reached out to bomb and as of publishing he has not replied to kotaku as of right now, there is a message on his Twitch page that reads, Doc and family are safe, proper measures are being taken, while stream is down for the day. And that is where they end the story over on Kotaku. And so literally, this man was streaming in his home, and he was shot at. Of what kind of projectile, we don't really know. We don't know what kind of gun this was. If it was a BB gun, I've heard rumors of a BB gun. I've heard rumors of a real gun. I don't know what it was. Uh, you can hear it in the background. I'm not sure if that was something that fell off of his desk, or if that was the bullet making contact with the house i'm not sure what exactly the noise is uh, that you can hear in the clip which i'm not going to play just because it's his content and whatnot uh, but overall uh, what you have here is a man who is not only working because this is his real job i mean when it comes down to it this is how he provides for his family in a very respectable way but on top of that he's also enjoying a hobby and these two things are often married in twitch streams and mixer streams and facebook gaming streams or what have you and so whenever you have somebody that is enjoying themselves and trying to conduct their own business and this kind of thing happens. Number one, it's very telling of the kind of internet culture that we're trying to fight back against. Because right now, there is a very sick kind of personality that is assigned to everybody that normally goes on Twitch, or at least in the mentality of the mainstream of people, there is this negative connotation when it comes to being a gamer or watching a stream or whatever you want to call it. Of course, just a couple of weeks ago, I've seen people talking and making a, a correlation between the Madden shooting and what you have here, where it seems like guns and gaming are going hand in hand in 2018, when they quite frankly do not. They are not connected. It just so happens that the community of the gaming community does tend to attract those that may be outcasts from other sections of society, and it tends to be more welcoming because we're all kind of weird when it comes down to it. I mean, I'm sitting in my bedroom with a tie on talking to you about video game news. I'm pretty strange, my Myself. However, whenever you get all these strange people into one room together, there are certain nuts that stand out above the rest, and whoever shot at this man's house is one of those nuts. So I want to make it very clear. 
I want to draw a line in the sand right now. Whenever you are thinking about interacting with a live streamer in person, consider how you are going about doing that. Is it at a convention? Is it in a positive way? Are you doing something that is not going to hurt anybody at all? If these things are answered appropriately, which would be yes, then that's perfectly fine. But if you say drive to somebody's house and knock on their door, wanting to talk to them, that's a big negative. If you drive by somebody's house and you want to leave a note on the door, or maybe you want to light a sack of dog shit on fire and put it on their doorstep that's also a big negative if you drive by and you want to shoot at somebody's house that is also very much so wrong and i can't make that clear enough this is not funny this is not a joke this is not something that should be replicated this is not something that you should see and think hey i'm going to do that myself to another streamer a smaller streamer somebody who might not make as big a deal out of it as you see here with guy i want to make it very clear do not do this Okay? Do not do this. This is not right. This is not appropriate. This is not how you condone yourself in any section of society. And whoever did this is a sick piece of shit. Okay? Now, that was a bit of a realism kind of section of today's episode of Caffeinate, but I wanted to get that out of the way right out of the gate because that is what takes precedence today. Other stuff has happened. We have a whole lineup of stories that I'm going to be jumping into, but that takes precedent because it is sick. Okay? So anyways, moving on to happier news of the day, or actually before we jump into that, let me back up a little bit. My name is Samuel Adams and welcome to today's show. This is a gaming news show where I normally don't start off on an angry tirade about what's going on with some internet personality, but this is one that I needed to go in on. And so, uh, that is something that normally doesn't happen. But again, this is a show and a podcast that is hosted on youtube.com slash Samuel Adams Media every weekday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time right here for you guys to enjoy. And you can catch that live in your time zone or you can listen later on a podcast service like Anchor.fm, which is fantastic, but also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, tons of other stuff if you did want to dive into that. Or you can always watch the VOD later right here on YouTube. But I love doing the show. I've been doing it for a while now and I love talking about the gaming news, whether it be good or whether it be bad like we've just seen with the Dr. Disrespect situation, but I did want to make you guys aware of what was going on and also chime in and give my two cents, which I think I did fairly well, but indeed, it is a crazy time we're living in, my friends. It is a crazy time. However, let's go ahead and jump into other news of the day, which is that PUBG has dipped below 1 million daily PC players for the first time in a year. Now, this might not sound significant, but it is significant because of what else came out on the same day that that happened, which is that the Black Ops 4 Blackout beta began around the same time that the numbers actually dipped. Could this be a signal of something that is to come? I think that it very well could be. Yesterday marked the first time in a year PUBG did not hit a million daily players on PC, according to numbers service SteamDB. Not so coincidentally, yesterday also marked the launch of Call of Duty Black Ops 4's very PUBG-like Blackout Battle Royale mode for beta for the PlayStation 4 pre-order customers, and it's coming later on this week to the Xbox One and the PC. To be fair to PUBG, its current player count, 960,000 yesterday, just 40,000 shy of the 1 million mark. Dota 2 is the only other game on Steam to have ever cracked 1 million players in a day, but the Battle Royale King once pulled in a peak of 3.2 million players back in January of this year, and ever since then its high numbers have slumped mainly due to games such as Fortnite and other games like Islands of Nine, Battle Royale, smaller ones that have come out, but mainly Fortnite, I would say. 
This chart from SteamDB shows the game's daily players since it arrived on Steam Early Access in May of 2017, marked with an A. The blip marked B is the day the game left Early Access, part of the store, and then reappeared as a full release. And C is when the game's mobile apps were released. These do appear to be leveling out at least. And so that's pretty much what you see here. So at the A portion that we have here, let me see if I can zoom in, uh, you have where the game actually launched, and then it pretty much hit its stride, I would say, around maybe January of 2018. It does look like, as the article did say, uh, but again, the climb up until that was very impressive. And of course, Twitch viewership has been fluctuating from here on out. So we'll see what goes on with that. But again, that's not really that big of a deal when it comes down to it. So what is behind the fall? It's easy to point to a free-to-download Battle Royale rival Fortnite, which has dominated headlines with eye-catching updates, new features, and plenty of celebrity fans. There is a feeling PUBG can't keep up with the continual supply of content Fortnite provides, and it has gotten bogged down with all of its bugs. Indeed, I believe that it has, if I do say so myself. Last month, PUBG announced a major campaign to straighten out the game's issues. Quote, It's time to fix PUBG, developer Bluehole said, as it announced plans to improve communication and speed up progress in vital areas such as server performance and cheat detection. Yesterday, a huge data mine uncovered a glimpse of the game's upcoming snow map, which we did talk about on yesterday's episode of Caffeinate, if you did want to go back and check out my thoughts on that. But can PUBG grow its user base again, the author over on this website says, or perhaps a million players, if things do level out around here, will simply remain a very, very good average to have. And again, that's pretty much where the article does end off. So very interesting to see that this happened to align with the Call of Duty Blackout beta, which of course hit PlayStation 4 as a uh, timed exclusive, if you will. They've got more time with it on the PlayStation 4. And then later on this week, I think around September the 14th, ending on the 17th, it goes live on the Xbox One. And then a day after that on the 15th, it goes live on PC. If I remember those numbers correctly, I would double check that if you do want to jump in and see if it is something you would enjoy. Uh, But when it comes down to it, it's a very good game, Black Ops 4 is. The Blackout mode is literally PUBG. It's a carbon copy of PUBG, but there are little Call of Duty elements mixed in. Uh, you can find little perks scattered throughout the map. You can find attachments and weapons and stuff like that as you would find in PUBG, but everything has a specific Call of Duty feel to it, and overall, a very good take on Battle Royale. Of course, you have helicopters, you have boats, you have ATVs, you have giant trucks, a lot of awesome stuff going on in Blackout. Uh, If you have a PlayStation 4, I would highly recommend if you haven't pre-ordered the game and you want to pre-order the game, then you can dive in right now or you can try and get a code from a stream. I know a ton of people are giving them out. Uh, Or if you have an Xbox One or a PC, you can do the same thing for those platforms as well. Uh, But I'm a big fan of what Blackout is bringing to the table and it's no surprise that PUBG is beginning to finally slip. Uh, And this is something that you're going to be seeing replicated over the course of the next few years because Fortnite isn't going to be on top forever. Uh, As a matter of fact, you see it beginning to kind of drop from the top of the Twitch, you know, viewership and also on Mixer and on Facebook gaming, uh, you get to see a lot of this kind of slippage going on where you do have Fortnite falling down below games like Spider-Man, like big games like Dota. And now you have stuff like Battle Royale from Black Ops coming up and overtaking even Call of Duty or excuse me, uh, PUBG. And so as more of this stuff kind of goes on, you're just going to see the gradual progression of the gaming industry do what it does and just begin to push old games out and push new games in. That is just simply the nature of the beast. Uh, Of course, a lot of people have been talking about the Blackout beta, which is, of course, Call of Duty going up against the Battle Royale mode that is going to be coming to Battlefield 5. Uh, Now, we talked about that on an episode of Cabinet last week, where you did have the fact that Criterion, the developer behind the, I believe it's Burnout Games, yes, uh, 
is actually actively developing the Battle Royale mode for Battlefield 5, so it will be very interesting to kind of gauge these games and kind of go head-to-head with them, seeing if the in-house developed Blackout is better than the out-of-house Criterion-based game mode that's coming to Battlefield 5. But again, that's a video for another day. So again, PUBG dipping below 1 million daily PC players for the first time in a year, but that mobile version of the game is still going strong, and also, it's a pretty good version of the game, if I do say so myself. Now, now, jumping into the chat here, I do want to say, how's it going, Sam? Finally caught Caffeinate Live. Roy, I appreciate you being here, my man. And I'm glad that I can finally host the show when more people can actually hang out and view it if they did want to. And you also do have Burnout Battle Royale. It is going to be a thing if you really want to read into it like that, because, again, Criterion and stuff. Uh, but, again, I believe what you are seeing is actively Battle Royale Burnout. Oh, that was a good one. Smooth one. Point one for Pa. Oh, if you don't know that joke, it's an inside joke. But moving on to the next story of the day. Games expected to account for 76% of global mobile revenue in 2018. Number of smartphone users, excuse me, to reach 3 billion by end of the year as consumer spending exceeds 92 billion. Games will account for 76% of the expected $92.1 billion in mobile app revenue in 2018, according to the latest report from marketing intelligence firm New Zoom. In total, global mobile gaming revenue will reach nearly $70 billion by the end of this year, generated from 3 billion smartphone users. As data plants and hardware become cheaper, Nuzu estimates that the number of smartphone users will reach $3.8 billion by 2021, with total app revenue exceeding $139 billion. Imagine $139 billion. That's a lot of cash. Having grown from $42.5 billion in 2016, games revenue is expected to reach $106.4 billion in 2021, a compound annual growth rate of 20.1%. If you need that in layman's terms, uh, that is a lot of cash, and it's going nowhere but up, my friends, going nowhere but up. China will continue to lead the market with 783 million smartphones, accounting for 26.1% of global users. Games revenue in the region will reach $37.9 billion by the end of the year, with the 573 million mobile gamers generating more than $23 billion, more than 60% of China's total gaming revenue for 2018 in freaking same so i could go on there's a lot of analysis that's done here thanks to the guys over at gamesindustry.biz and i do want to take a moment to say that if you are not actively looking at gamesindustry.biz and you are into the industry side of things i would highly recommend checking out this website fantastic source of news that i've been getting more and more into because it takes it very seriously Uh, and this is a place that i would love to work for at some point in the future if you did want to toss me a bone Uh, But when it comes down to it, what you've got here is mobile growing, and they are just putting money into it hand over fist. My goodness. Expected to account for 76% of global mobile revenue in 2018. That is, out of the entirety of mobile revenue, you are getting gaming becoming an increasingly large part of that. And then you have stuff like the Razer phone coming out, uh, where you do have professional or higher quality experiences being had in the gaming space on mobile platforms. Uh, You do have phones unlike the Razer gaming phone that are also performing very well. My iPhone 7 can run Fortnite at a very reasonable frame rate, and it's all around a pretty good experience. So you're going to be getting more on that. And uh, of course, you do have the microtransaction side of everything that is coming in and really, really really bringing in a ton of cash. But overall, it's very interesting to see that mobile is growing at the rate that it is, and I'm not surprised to hear that it is going to be exceeding 900 or excuse me, $92 billion. Whoa, $902 billion. No, that won't be until next year, will it? That won't be until next year. But moving on to the next story of the day. A Blizzard job listing, or listings, hint at something entirely new. Job openings mention co-op RPGs and first-person combat. 
That's very interesting to me. Blizzard's job page is often an interesting place for inquisitive minds, offering up tiny glimpses into possible futures. Amid the va... va oh, excuse me, I almost said vaccines, and I was like, uh, is there a breakout or something? Amid the vacancies for existing games like World of Warcraft and Overwatch are stacks of advertisements for unannounced projects. There are plenty related to a Mystery Diablo project, but there are just as many openings for something new. Spotted by MMORPG, roles include a variety of artists, engineers, and designers, but not necessarily offer the same game. Some, like the senior quest designer position, specifically mention mobile games, while others mention console and PC. Some say experience in both, uh, both being desirable, which makes sense given Hearthstone's cross-platform success. Some of the requirements and pluses include things like a passion for co-op games, RPGs, and board games, and a, quote, real passion for action games. That's very interesting to me right there. A real passion for action games is favored for this position or these positions. Blizzard is really into passion. Common threads include action, not surprisingly, and there's mention of both first-person and third-person combat. There are a lot of job openings, and we could probably craft any number of games from the morsels and vague requirements, but there are definitely things that stand out and requirements that are mentioned often enough so that they start to hint at where Blizzard is going with this. The responsibility section of the lead-slash-senior-level designer position has quite Quite a few details, and it mentions world building from a conception to the final stages of polish, and it sounds like Blizzard's building another universe. If you've got the time, there's loads to trawl through, and maybe a couple of things that I missed, says the author. In the meantime, do you have any wild theories about what Blizzard's unannounced project might be? Uh, in the chat, we have World of Skyrim. Man, imagine a Bethesda crossover with the guys over at Blizzard. That would be nutty. Uh, but overall... Uh, there's nothing that can be really drawn from this right now. There's nothing that is definitive. Uh, but it's good to hear that Blizzard is beginning to kind of branch out of what they've been doing. And I think that this is all happening because of the success that we've seen with Overwatch. Of course, for those that don't know, Overwatch is still a global force that is to be reckoned with. It might not be in the limelight as much as a game like Fortnite or even a game like PUBG is right now. Uh, but when it comes to Overwatch, the professional league uh, that has kind of arisen out of that is something that I've never really seen before. And it really is kind of pushing the boundary of what esports is as an industry and so to be able to craft a first person shooter uh, and have it be as successful as you have had with Overwatch I think that it's just kind of the nature of the beast that the next step you would take would be to make something again that is entirely new and push the boundaries of what your company has always been known for and make something that is new and craft the next generation of what people fall in love with. I think that one thing that gamers really kind of get wrong, or not necessarily get wrong, uh, but get trapped in, is this comfort that we have with the games that we know and games that we love. Uh, for instance, Skyrim has been released on pretty much everything under the sun. Uh, I mean, you have it on the Switch even. You have it on VR, if you will. You have tons of stuff that you can play Skyrim on, all the way back to the PlayStation 3 and the Xbox 360 and very low-end PCs, if you really want to get down to it. And that's because that game is comfortable. People know what to expect when it comes to Skyrim. Call of Duty has been around for for a very, very long time, and there's no signs of it stopping soon. Of course, there has been a bit of an evolution on that end, uh, with the new Blackout mode, and on top of that, you know, uh, additions made to the multiplayer mode, but you get what I'm saying, the same goes for Battlefield and even World of Warcraft to some degree. And when it comes down to it, the entire industry is kind of built on this nostalgia factor to where you even have, even on this article, the Shadow of the Tomb Raider review, which is a brand new Tomb Raider game, and Tomb Raider is still one of those legacy games from way, way back in the day. You have ones that break out from the indie scene, but we don't have a brand new, uh, you know, kind of mega icon of what would be considered the next big generational mover. Uh, but you have stuff like Overwatch. You do have stuff like Fortnite that is breaking out. And so it's good to see the industry begin to evolve and more new ideas 
come out. But this is the beginning of that, and I cannot wait to see what the dude makes, or the chick makes, or whoever they make. Uh, the lead level, or excuse me, the lead slash senior level designer from going to, excuse me, backing up a little bit, world building from conception to the final stages of polish. Seeing whatever that person makes is going to be amazing. Cannot wait for that. Going to be some good stuff. No, Decky in the chat says, cough, Monster Hunter World, cough. We're not going down the Monster Hunter World rabbit trail. I'm telling you that right now. However, another good example of a game that is pushing the industry forward, but that is also established on the basic foundation of a game that has been popular for a very long time. I'm just saying that right now. However, moving on to another mobile game that is very popular, kind of going back to the overall 76% of mobile revenue is going to be coming from the gaming side of things. Pokemon Go activity has increased 35% since May. This is something that's pretty crazy right now. And also my camera seems to be, no, we're good. Never mind. Uh, I apologize. I was looking over here and then I was like, oh, wait, no, we're buffering. We're good. Uh, But Pokemon Go activity increased 35% since May. Tens of millions of people continue to play Pokemon Go. Active usage of the augmented reality app has increased 35% since May, developer Niantic revealed in a blog post on Tuesday. Pokemon Go's resurgence is likely due to two new social features introduced at the end of June, Pokemon Trading and Friendships. Since then, more than 113 million people have made friends in the game, Niantic said, and more than 2.2 billion gifts have been exchanged. Quote, while the headlines are filled with examples of technology being used to divide us, our experiences this summer deepen our conviction that technology can be harnessed to enhance our lives in a positive way and bring us all closer together and strengthen our connection with the communities where we live and we play, said Niantic CEO John Hankey. Or perhaps it's Hank. I'm going to go with Hanky because I like the hard E on that. And also, that's where you would insert the nice little, aww, everybody's getting along. Pokemon Go celebrated its second anniversary in July. The game has earned $1.8 billion in revenue since launch, according to market analyst Sensor Tower. Players spend about $2 million each day, with the majority of that money coming from the U.S. and Japan. Niantic said it's working on some surprises for Pokemon Go this fall to give trainers even more ways to play together. This could be a reference to the game's rumored player versus player mode. Last month, Niantic's head of marketing for the EMEA region, Ann Bultenmuller, I think that's the first time in Caffeinate history that I've nailed a name, oh my god, reportedly told a Polish publication the feature will appear towards the end of 2018. Additionally, Niantic reiterated that it's celebrating the six-year anniversary of the location-based mobile app Ingress with the launch of an updated version called Ingress Prime. Is that like a Transformer or something? I don't know. It will reveal more details about that game closer to launch. Hanky previously told Variety that Prime and an Ingress animated show will likely release around October. And boy, I'll tell you one thing I don't want. Whatever that TV show is. But when it comes to Pokemon Go, this is some impressive stuff right here. I mean, increasing 35% since May uh, is something that you do not shake a stick at. That's something that I definitely certainly respect. uh, Considering that too many people, Pokemon Go had kind of died. Uh, I remember back in 2016, around July, whenever the game did launch. Uh, I remember specifically because I had just had a surgery and I was pretty much in bed uh, the majority of the day. And so uh, I would be trying to walk more and trying to get back on my feet and kind of get back to a sense of normalcy. And I would walk down the road and I would be playing Pokemon Go. And then whenever I got back into the group of things, uh, I would go out to Target and Walmart and all these other places, college even, and you would see these giant congregations of people catching whatever Pokemon happened to be at that location. And that's something that I think does bring people closer together and something that is very respectable in and of itself. However, There was also this sense of it dying down. People stopped doing that. I deleted the app shortly after I had installed it. I probably played it for about a month and a half or so. Uh, But I will say that there was this hidden kind of group of people uh, that was not really hidden. It was just not in my frame of view that continued to 
play the game and continued to collect these things and continued to grow and evolve, no pun intended, uh, with the game as it began to grow and add more features. And of course, with this new friendships feature, uh, with the new trading features, that's something that was kind of needed from day one if you really want to get down to it. Uh, But it is also a feature that was added and something that brought a ton of people back into the game. Uh, Will it continue to be a global powerhouse when it comes to mobile gaming? Absolutely. I think it's going to be absolutely uh, mind-boggling to see how much more money this thing can make uh, whenever it really comes down to it. Because I do not think that Pokemon is ever completely tapped. I think you can continue to make more and more money off of this just simply because people love Pokemon. Uh, There's nostalgia and also it's attractive to new players as well. Uh, As somebody who grew up not really playing or watching Pokemon, I never really cared that much about Pokemon Go, but it was still a fun game. You know, when it comes down to it, if you're bored and you're walking around, you can catch you an Eevee or a, or a, a Pokem, Pokachu or a, or a Squirtle. I'm a pro. Uh, but if you do want to uh, check out Pokemon Go, it is doing very well, and more and more people are playing it right now, so it's the perfect time to jump in if you did want to see what all the hubaloo was about. And I did just say hubaloo in an episode of Caffeinate, and boy, am I glad that that happened. But speaking of a game that I did enjoy, Spider-Man on the PS4 is getting a new game plus mode. It doesn't have to end just yet. Oh, thank God, because boy, do I want more of this game. Fans of the PlayStation 4 Spider-Man game may be sad that the experience has to end, but Insomniac Games has revealed that a new Game Plus mode is on the way in a Twitter conversation with a fan. We don't know exactly when it will be out or what the mode will entail, but from the sound of things, it might be close to completion. Here is the tweet in question. And at TigerFist22, a pretty cool name if I do say so myself, tweeted out to Insomniac, will there be an NG Plus feature on hashtag Spider-Man PS4? And Insomniac Games replied, Yes, we're working on it now and polishing it up. If this mode is like no, uh, excuse me, most new game plus updates, there won't be much in the way of a new content, but you'll be able to restart the game story with all the upgrades and suits you had at the end of your first game, completing playthrough. This would allow you to crank up the difficulty a bit sooner if you choose due to having a beefed up Peter Parker from the game's beginning scenes. Hearing that the adventure doesn't have to stop the game's ending once this mode is released is great news. If you're still just starting out, however, you have an entire guide over on Polygon. But I would recommend just jumping into it and really just kind of experiencing the Spider-Man game for what it is. Because, man, do I love this game. Uh, I would say that it's right up there for my game of the year. I think I would still give it a God of War at this point. Uh, But Spider-Man is totally worth buying, totally worth playing. And to hear that there is a new game plus mode is something that I'm happy about. Just simply because I like the idea of going back into it. Uh, right now, I'm actively working on 100%ing the game. I'm right at around 65 or maybe even 69% of the trophies completed. Uh, but I should be able to finish that up in the next couple of weeks or so. I do want to make it one of the platinum trophies that I do have. And then I should be going back to God of War after that. But we'll see what happens. Life's getting a little crazy if you do know what I'm saying. Uh, but I would love to see what's you guys' thoughts good grammar right there on the new game plus mode i think that every game as decky says in the chat should get a new game plus mode from the get-go because you can just continue to play the game over and over again and just continue to grind and have a good time with the grind and so for it to not be included would kind of blow my mind but it's good to hear that i can jump back into spider-man with all of my unlocked goods and be able to really play the game the way that it's meant to be played by just being an incredibly powerful superhero because man does that feel good and i'll take this moment to uh, introduce a new sponsor, which is my cup of coffee, and it's calling my name. (sighs) Starbucks. But... Moving on to the next story of the day, The Last Remnant comes to PlayStation only 10 years late. A remastered edition of the RPG heads to PS4 this December. This could be pretty good. Now, I want to preface this by saying 
I don't really care. Not really a game that I ever have my eye on, but I have garnered some understanding that people do want to see more of this game, so I thought I would cover it right here on an episode of Caffeinate. Square Enix promised that the last remnant, a role-playing game that launched in 2008 on the Xbox 360, followed by a 2009 Windows PC launch, would one day come to the PlayStation 3. That never happened, to RPG lovers' disappointment, but the developer clearly didn't forget, because a remastered version of the unique title is now heading to the PlayStation 4. The last remnant remastered, as seen in the teaser above, benefits from 10 years of graphical and engine upgrades. The look may have been tweaked, but the story remains the same. Players fight to save their country from years of war, all based on the collection of mysterious runes called Remnants. Despite coming straight from the Final Fantasy house, there's not many similarities here. The last remnant is set in a bleak world that is far darker than the average Final Fantasy game. Although it launched to mixed reviews in 2008, PlayStation fans will likely still appreciate finally getting their chance to play one of the last console generation's rare Xbox-exclusive RPGs. The Last Remnant Remastered launches worldwide on December the 6th, this time as a PlayStation 4 exclusive. And as a note, it will be available only to the PlayStation Store for $19.99, and a pretty good entry price if I do say so myself. But again, here are a couple of screenshots if you guys wanted to check those out. Overall, good-looking JRPG remaster, if I do say so myself. The textures look nice. Uh, it does not look like a game from 2008, but it definitely has that kind of underlying 2008 vibe. I'm not going to lie right there. You are going to be getting the game that you expect to get. And to many people, that's a good thing. Uh, I never really was into this type of experience. It's not really my kind of thing. Uh, but overall, I know that a ton of people have probably been wanting this low-key for a while in the same way that I would like to see MAG remastered on the PlayStation 4, but that's probably just me. Just kidding. One of my most popular videos, in fact, if not my most popular video on YouTube.com slash Samuel Adams Media, is people wanting to get Massive Action Game remade on the PlayStation 4 or even the PC. However, again, as I normally say, that is a video for another day. But if you are a fan or you have been looking forward to The Last Remnant, then it is coming to the PlayStation 4 in a remastered mode, or at least a remastered version, whenever it launches this December for 20 bucks. Not too shabby, if I do say so myself. But speaking of games that are launching in the next couple of months, Blackout has been Black Ops 4's big breakout Battle Royale mode. There were a lot of B's in that sentence, and I'm proud that I didn't mumble any of them together. Uh, but again, if you did want to play on PC, that launches on the 15th, if I remember correctly. Excuse me. The Blackout PC beta starts September 14th at 10 a.m. Pacific time for anyone who has pre-ordered any digital version of the game. And the beta opens up to everyone with a Battle.net account starting on September the 15th at 10 a.m. Pacific time. And of course, there is the PlayStation 4 beta that is going on right now now. So that's what you need to know as far as times go. Now, what kind of machine do you need to run this thing? Because, of course, Battle Royale is incredibly popular on PC, so a ton of people are going to be wanting to play this, and you, my friend, will need a minimum of Windows 7 64-bit or later, Intel Core i5 2500K or AMD equivalent, 8 gigabytes of RAM, 40 gigabytes of hard drive space, an NVIDIA GeForce GTX 662 gigabyte or a GTX 1052 gigabyte or an AMD Radeon HD 7950, and of course, you can go back and listen to my podcast in slow motion if you want to get the full breakdown on that. But again, you need DirectX version 11.0 compatible video card or the equivalent, and you need an internet connection, believe it or not, to play the Battle Royale mode, and you have to have a sound card that is DirectX compatible. Now, the recommended specs, this is when you're getting the expected experience from the devs. You need Windows 10 64-bit, Intel Core i7 4770K or AMD equivalent, 12 gigabytes of RAM, 40 gigabytes of HD space, NVIDIA GeForce GTX 970, my baby is still going strong, or a GTX 1066 gigabytes, or AMD's Radeon R9 390-AMD RX 580, which is, as a fun fact, 
a VR compatible card. In fact, one of the most affordable VR cards you can get on the market. However, you have to have the DirectX 11.0 compatible card, the internet connection, or DirectX compatible sound card to enjoy the experience to the fullest. And so that, my friends, is what you need to play Blackout on the PC. And again, I'm really enjoying my time with it on PS4. I know that they have added a ton of new stuff to the game that you should definitely check out. Uh, They've made adjustments based off of the feedback gotten from day one, uh, which is pretty dang insane to me. So again, if you wanted to check out what is coming to Blackout, uh, then you should definitely dive into the beta when it opens up fully to everybody on Battle.net on PC later on in the week. I will probably be diving on and giving the PC version a look after I've been playing the PlayStation 4 version all week. Uh, so that should be pretty fun. Uh, but overall, Blackout is shaping up to be what very well could be a PUBG killer. You never really know with these kinds of things. Also in the chat, Random Gamer 50 one of my oldest friends that has been a supporter of the channel and a good friend for a long time, has entered the chat. Everybody give him a hand. There you go. Everybody give him a hand. It's just me. But if you guys want to dive back into Battlefield 1, then we are rounding out with the best news you're going to be hearing all day because Battlefield 1's premium pass is free to claim and keep right now. And let me tell you, this is a fantastic, a fantastic game once you dive back into it. I know it is disputed. I know it is not the best Battlefield game out there, not gonna lie, but I fell in love with this game over the summer and I played it a good bit uh, in preparation for the games that have been coming out over the course of the past few weeks. Uh, So, with that being said, I might have a bit of a bias towards this game. It gets kind of a bad rap when it comes down to it, and a rap that I helped contribute to when the game first launched, but big improvements have been made. However, going into the story, we are in that part of the Battlefield cycle where EA and DICE are in a giving mood. Just as the open beta for Battlefield 5 comes to a close, it's now time to turn your attention back to Battlefield 1. You can currently nab the game for 5 bucks on Origin, but better yet, the 4 expansion premium pass is free. If you add it to your library during the next week, the pass is yours to keep. The offer is available for PC players on Origin as well as PS4 and Xbox One, and the premium pass includes They Shall Not Pass, In the Name of the Tsar, Turning Tides, and Apocalypse as far as DLC goes. So again, if you have a PlayStation 4 or an Xbox One or a PC and you really want to get a really awesome first-person shooter that I find to be highly underrated, at least as far as the conquest goes and those basic foundational kind of mechanics that make a Battlefield game a Battlefield game, I would highly recommend jumping in and seeing what Battlefield 1 has to offer for you. Again, 5 bucks gets you all of the content that has come out for the game to date. I'm not affiliated with them. This is not a sponsored plug or anything like that. It's just genuinely a pretty good game that I think more people should really enjoy. And again, after playing a couple of rounds of the beta on Battlefield 5, eh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I like Battlefield 1 more than that at the moment. Again, just my two cents. Seems to be more squad-based with Battlefield 5, but that could just be me. However, that rounds out today's episode of Caffeinate. If you guys did enjoy the show, be sure to drop me a like down below if you are watching on YouTube. Again, it has been a strange show, but I did want to start off uh, with that entire spiel about Dr. Disrespect. And again, let me drive this home very plainly. Do not go to a streamer's house. Do not go to a YouTuber's house. Do not approach a streamer or YouTuber without the kind of comfortable setting that you would expect from that kind of fan interaction uh, if you were on the receiving end of that. And on top of that, don't shoot people's houses. Don't go to people's people's houses. Don't do anything where you interact with somebody that doesn't want to be interacted with. Let me make that very clear. Uh, But again, this is a strange episode, so if you want to listen to other episodes of Caffeinate that have happened in the past, you can head over to anchor.fm slash Samuel Adams, or if you wanted to check out the other episodes on youtube.com slash Samuel Adams Media, I would love for you to check that stuff out. But again, the show is hosted live right here on youtube.com slash Samuel Adams Media at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time every single weekday night. And I appreciate you guys being here. I love you very much. I will speak with you soon. Peace.